I mean, we'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to study uh, Acts 2, verses 40 through 47 together tonight. This weekend, we are celebrating the grand opening of our new facility. We are celebrating the 12-year anniversary of our church family worshiping together as a church family. And as we're doing that, I want to share with you that as we were starting 12 years ago, <clears throat> and really in the, in the years since we've started, I found out that unfortunately many people don't care for church. But it's not because they don't care about God. Many times I find that people are very open to God, but they don't really like what they've seen of His people, or people who claim to be His people. So when we began New Hope 12 years ago this weekend, we started with the hope of being different. We started with the hope that, that God would use us in a way that, you know, really many times the reason church is so messed up is because man has messed it up. It's because, and don't we sense that sometimes? Many, many of us, who've, maybe some of us here tonight, you've never had church experience. And I'm so glad that, that you've come tonight. And I pray that we will be a place where you will have a good experience of church and God's family. But many of us have had experience in church. And many times, unfortunately, that's been negative because we get this sense that, you know what? I came here looking for God, but it sure does seem like I get a lot of man when I come. So tonight, we're going to turn to a passage that's had a significant impact on who we are as a church family. And, and I guess there's a lot of different ways that we could express what this passage shares. But I'm going to share with you the way that we've sort of uh, shared or broken down these ideas that are found in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. And, and really, the reason we're doing it tonight is for this reason. As we're celebrating this anniversary, as we're celebrating the grand opening of our new facility, number one, we want to remind the people who are, who are part of the New Hope family that, you know what, we are at a significant place in our church's life, symbolized by the, the, the steps forward that God has given us in this new facility. And if we are at a significant place, we need to remember why we started in the first place. Amen? And many of you may be here tonight and say, you know what, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of new to things. I'm a guest here tonight. I'm investigating. I'm trying to learn more about New Hope. And so I believe that by going to this critical passage that really influenced who we started as and hopefully who we're continuing to seek to be, hopefully that will help you tonight to get a little bit of the flavor of what this church family is all about. So I want to talk to you tonight about the vision of New Hope from Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. And just to share with you what we find here in Acts chapter 2, because we're kind of just jumping in the middle of a passage here, that what happened is Jesus Christ came to this earth, God himself, we just sang the song, Emmanuel, that's what that word means in Greek, it means Emmanuel, means God came to be with us. The Bible says God came into our world, Jesus Christ came, God came as a man, he lived a perfect life, he, he died on the cross to pay for our sins, he was buried, he rose again to show that what, what would have destroyed us, what we had no power to defeat, he defeated, and he says, you know what, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm leaving my disciples for a while, I'm coming back again one day, but I'm leaving my followers to spread this message, I want the whole world to know that I came to be the Savior. And what we find here in this passage is right after Jesus 
went back to the Father. He ascended to the Father. He left those disciples with that assignment, and it's followed down through the years, and now it's come down to us. But right after he left them with that, we find this passage in Acts chapter 2 that gives us really the perfect example of what God wants in a church. Now let's think about it for just a minute. If there's a vision for New Hope, it better be God's vision. Amen? If we're seeking to be something, we better make sure that it's what God intended. Because again, like I said, I believe for many of us, the reason church comes short so many times is because it's not being what God originally intended for it to be. So the first thing I want to talk to you about tonight in these verses is the vision of this church family is to be a place for worship. Look at verse 40. The Bible says, And with many other words... He solemnly testified and kept on that he is Peter. Now, I'm going to share that with you here in just a moment. It says, with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved, be rescued from this perverse generation, or maybe a paraphrase might be, from this messed up world. Many times when we think of worship, we think of religious activity. When we think of people worshiping, we think of people, maybe, uh, maybe there's an idol that somebody has and they worship that idol. Or we think about rituals that people go through. You don't see idols as much in our country, do we? We don't see that as much when people are worshiping. But we think about that somebody goes through some kind of religious activity or some kind of ritual. And many Christians, when we think of worship, think of music. Many people say that I'm going to go to worship. They think of a worship service or they think about music or they think of things like that. But actually, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, I believe is probably the best definition of worship. Write that verse down and let me read it for you. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, the Lord said to his people, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And actually, Jesus repeated that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You may have heard me share before, if you've, if you've uh, been here previously, that the greatest commandment, that's the greatest commandment. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment in all the Bible. It really summarizes what God wants us to know about his will for us. He wants us to give ourselves completely to him. That's God's goal for us. That's his goal for my life. That's his goal for your life. That's his goal for every church family, that at the end of the day, that God would have every part of who I am, that God would have full access into my life and full control, full say over every aspect of my life. Now, here in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, there were a lot of people who needed the Lord, and there were a lot of people who were actually open to God. And they were gathered together for a special event. They were actually there. If you go back and look at the beginning of chapter 2, they were actually there for a holiday event. And so all these people were gathered together, and God knew that many of them needed him, and God knew that many of them wanted him. That kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? Many of us tonight, maybe you're here because you know, I need God, and you know what? I want God. I'm open to God. And the Bible says that in that group of people that God sent someone, he actually was the Apostle Peter, that God sent Peter to share his message with that group of people. And it says that Peter shared with many words, which, by the way, just makes me feel better as a pastor. That means I can preach a long time, right? With many words, right? 
Some of you are getting nervous, okay? It's all right, all right. It says, with many words. Now, you can go back and read what those words are because much of it is recorded there. It's a great message that Peter gave to them. But it says that he gave them an earnest testimony. He kept on encouraging them. You hear the passion. Peter was just sharing with them, God's got a wonderful message for you. God's got good news for you. And he was really really challenging them. Listen, the Lord loves you. He created you. He has a purpose for your life. If you will just be willing to acknowledge that, that that he exists and that you need him and that you'd be willing to turn your life over to him, that you can be rescued from this messed up world. Isn't that good news? It is messed up, isn't it? It's good news, though. He said... God wants you to give your life completely to Him. He was talking about worship. Friend, that's the message that God, even today, 2,000 years later, God has left. He started with those early disciples, and now all throughout the years, through generation and generation, His disciples have passed on that message and shared with people around the world. And now it comes to 2012, and here we sit here today, and we've gathered for kind of a holiday, haven't we? We've gathered for a special event, and probably the reason you're here is much, the reason, much like the reason they were there. They were there because that event actually had some things to do with God and what he was doing in this world. And so their hearts were open, and they were listening, and God brought his servant to them to say, Listen, I want to be your Savior. Will you trust me? Will you worship me? Will you give your life to me? In some way... Everything we do here in this church family ought to be under the umbrella of worship. Do you understand that? Everything that we do ought to be in the category of it is our desire to give our lives to God completely. And I I really believe in our hearts we kind of sensed that anyway, didn't we? We knew that's what we were created for. God's called us. The vision he's given us is, I believe, his vision is to be a place of worship. But secondly... The vision is to grow. Look at verses 41 through 43. It says, So then, after he had shared that message, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day, can you imagine this? That day there were added about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people on that. Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine that? In one day, 3,000 people in one gathering came together and realized that they needed God to take control of their life. It's amazing. What a sight. It says they were, continu- uh, uh, they were continually devoting themselves in verse 42 to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, what do these verses reflect? There's all these different people from all these different backgrounds. And now they were doing some things that they had not done just a few days before. And they were experiencing those things with some people, probably, that they had not met just a few days before that. What were they doing? The Bible says it very clearly. It says, so then, those who, first of all, there were people in that group. And there there was a lot of them. There were 3,000 of them, right? 3,000 people in that group received his message. Those people grew that day. How'd they grow? They grew by receiving God's salvation. 
you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, and listen, this is very important because many people do not realize this. Many times church has talked about the Bible, has talked about Jesus, has talked about the cross, has talked about salvation. And it's almost like, okay, we all know about that, right? And so the message seems to come across that the point in life is just to know what God did for you, kind of in your head. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's important for us to know what God did for us, but there's another step. What's the next step? We don't just need to know it, we need to what? Receive it. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe or put their trust in his name. So that day, there was a lot of people who now had some new information, but not everybody grew in their relationship with God that day. Not everybody received that gift. And so there was people who took that step. And then not only that, but after they took that step, it says, so then those who had received his word, they said, yes, Jesus, I heard your message. That's what I've been looking for. I receive you. And then it says, those people were baptized. Now, what does that mean? Many of us have been taught in church that baptism means that you need your sins washed away, so you need to be baptized so that your sins can be washed away and you can become a child of God. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that water, getting in a tub of water or being sprinkled with water, the Bible does not teach that anywhere. It does not teach that you being baptized in any kind of way can wash your sins away. What the Bible teaches is that we need Jesus to come into our lives. And then once we do, we get baptized to show that he came into our lives. See, what baptism is, it's a picture, right down Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 says baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when I'm baptized, I'm saying, hey guys, I just want you to all know, y'all can't see in my heart, amen? But something happened. I heard about Jesus, I gave my life to him, I'm a follower of his, and and he gave this picture so that those of us who are his followers can say to everybody, I'm on the team. I signed up, okay? I I like to tell kids, baptism is like your jersey, okay? The coach can call you and say, you're on the team, we're giving out jerseys tomorrow. You can be on the team without having a jersey, right? But if you're on the team, why wouldn't you wear your jersey? I mean, if you're going to be playing, you would say, I want everybody to know I'm on this team. And so that's what baptism is. Those people took a step. That's a big step, isn't it? There are some people in this room right now. That's the next step for you. You have privately in your heart at some point said, maybe you heard a pastor on the radio. Maybe a friend at work shared Christ with you. Maybe it's here at New Hope as we've shared about what it means to know Jesus. And you know what? That's the next step of growth for you as you know. I've accepted Jesus, God and I know that, but I need to go public with this. Then it says, many of them took another step. It says, those who received his word were baptized, and that day they were added. They were added about 3,000 people. I've always thought that's interesting. They were added to what? Anybody know? They were added to the body of believers, right? It's starting to sound a whole lot like a big church. They said, you know what? We got a group of people here. We've got a family here. There were people who were beginning to gather together, to unite together. They weren't just random individuals who had given their life to Jesus. They became a part of the family of God. 
That can be a big step, can it? Some of us who've been hurt by church, it's hard to kind of stick your neck out and say, I'm going to make myself vulnerable again. I'm going to open my heart up again. I'm going to let other people in my life again. Isn't that? Isn't it difficult? You've been through a bad experience. But these people, they said, you know what? I've become a part of God's family, and, 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 I, and, and now I'm a part of the body of believers. And then it says they were doing some things. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. What's that? It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. They said, hey, we don't know how to live. Raise your hand if you don't know how to live. Everybody should raise your hand. Okay. Okay, so somebody said the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. All right, that's what the Bible is. God gave us a manual, an owner's manual. Some of y'all still don't know what that's talking about, all right? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay, all right. It's our owner's manual. So God says, y'all don't know how to do it. So get together, learn it, not just to get information, but so you can understand how God has put this life together and then go out and live it. And that's what they began doing. They got together. That's why we get together for these times, don't we? I can't do this by myself. I can't learn God's ways by myself. We get together as believers. We study God's word in a big group setting. And God says we do it in big groups. We do it in small groups. We call those growth groups in our church, Bible studies that we have. And you begin to learn, okay, how do you live this life? How do you do this thing? They were growing. They, they were fellowshipping. That's kind of a church word, but it just means they were connecting with other people. They were, they were getting to know one another. It says they were breaking bread. Now, some people think that's part of the fellowship. They were just eating. Uh, other people think it's talking about the Lord's Supper. Okay, so God gave us baptism as kind of our first way of showing I'm a believer, but the Lord's Supper is kind of a continual way to demonstrate that I'm a believer and I've trusted in Jesus and, and I'm acknowledging that. And then it says they were giving themselves to prayer. They were beginning to talk to God. And then after that it says, And uh, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. i got to be honest with you. Since this church began, that's how I felt. A sense of awe and many wonders happening through the Lord. Somebody asked me out in the hallway, uh, out in the foyer before we came in. They said, 12 years ago, could you have imagined that this would have happened? You know, in some ways, I would say yes. In some ways, I would say, I hoped that God was going to do this. But in other ways, there was a good chance maybe this wouldn't work out. Because for a lot of churches, it doesn't. A lot of church plants don't make it. And, and... Through the years, that, that, that person said, it's got to be kind of, you know, amazing to you to sit back and see what God's done. And I would say, absolutely. I have to tell you that from the day that I set foot in New York, I felt like the Lord had his hand on my head. And thankfully, he hasn't let go yet. And you know what's cool? All you guys have joined me. We're growing, aren't we? Isn't it cool to be a part of what God is doing in this world. It's a vision for growth. That's what it's talking about here. God desires, isn't that good news? God desires for our experience of him to grow. Many of you say, I don't know anything about the Bible. I hope this time next year you'll know a little bit. Right? How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you three years ago didn't know anything about the Bible but you know a little bit now? Praise the Lord. That's great. And you know what's going to happen? Over time, 
You're going to get to know more, and the person here tonight is going to get to know more, and that is exactly what God intends. He wants us to grow in our understanding of him. The Bible says, write down Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Actually, uh, I think it's got 12 up on the screen, but I'm going to go back to verse 11. This is the picture that God gave for his family. And God gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, what is that saying? That's basically saying God gave... God has called some people to be uh, serving. I don't even like to use the word leader because I'm in one of those roles. I'm nervous about it. I I like the word servant better. But it's appropriate to say, I think, God has called some people to give some leadership to the work he's doing. That's what he said in these verses. There's some people who are supposed to give leadership to it. And what are they supposed to do? For the equipping of the saints. So I'm not one of those. Yes, you are if you're a child of God. That's what the saint, the word saint means in the Bible. For the equipping of God's people for the work of service, or actually that word means ministry. Okay, so pastors, spiritual leaders in God's family are called by God to help the rest of us, all of us together, to grow. To get to know God's purpose for our life, how God's wired us to help us uh, deal with sin in our life, to help us have a better marriage and how to uh, run our finances better and make better decisions. And all that, he says, all that happens to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, a beautiful picture, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now that's a lot of words that basically means God wants all of us moving forward and becoming all that he wants us to be individually in our lives and together as a group doing his work. So that we no longer are tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How many of us here tonight would say, my life has been up and down from the beginning? I mean, it's just tossed around. It's just like a boat on the ocean. I got to tell you, one of the most scary things in my life to ever imagine would be an out in the middle of the ocean where you could not see the shore in the middle of the night, dark and waves. That'd be one of the most scary things to me to ever deal with. And for many of us, that's what our life looks like. You know what the Bible says? That's not God's intention for you. God has brought you into his family so you can grow forward. Isn't that good news? You ought to be encouraged tonight. God has good things for your life. God has a a purpose and a plan. And the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, so grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. God is calling us to grow. But then the last thing I want to share with you is the vision that God has given us is to serve. Look at verses 44 and 45 in Acts chapter 4, or Acts chapter 2. It says, And all those who had believed, there it is again, all those who had put their trust in Jesus and received God's offer were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now, as Americans, we have moments of greatness. We have moments of sacrifice. But day in and day out, typically as Americans, we're known as pretty kind of self-focused. I mean, it's all about me, right? I mean, I, I'm looking out for this guy right here. Isn't that, you know, kind of how we are taught? And really, it's not just Americans. It's human beings in general. 
It's this nature that we have. We have this sin nature, and I can't help it. I love me. I can't help it. I love me much more than you. I don't even have to work at that. I love me. And don't laugh at me because you love you. <laughs> Nate admits that he loves you, right? <laughs> you love you. <laughs> I'm all messed up. But you know what, guys? Listen, tell me this is not true. Because you are created in the image of God, there is something that beats in your heart that knows it's not supposed to be all about you. Is that not true? That you were really created to serve others, to help others. You know, I've heard recently about some very successful people who've really begun to catch that bug. Have you heard of Bill and Melinda Gates? You ever heard of them? Okay, however you feel about uh, Macintosh and Windows, you know, debate, okay. Bill Gates, obviously, is the guy who started the, the Windows deal. It's, it's pretty impressive what he and his wife have done. You can read about it. It's called thegivingpledge.org. But basically... They and some other billionaires, and I was going to sign up, but I didn't have time this afternoon. But they and, some other, they and some other billionaires have made a pledge. They basically have said, you know, we are very fortunate to have what we have. And there's a lot of people in the world who don't have what we have. And basically their focus is much of the world doesn't have really any health care or food. And, and in the United States, they've kind of focused on much of the United States today. Many people struggle with education, not so much food and the basic necessities. Uh, even though we think we struggle with health care, it's not even comparison with the rest of the world. What those people have said, we're going to make a pledge, listen to this, it's pretty impressive, to give away the majority of our wealth to help other people. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And you know what? They're not alone. People throughout history who've made it big, typically how we think of, even Winston Churchill, I think he was the one that said, uh, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. So people have recognized that the best reason to live is helping others make it. You know, it's not a, it's not a new concept. In fact, that's been God's way all along. God's way all along has been... We should live our lives in sacrificial service to others so that their lives can be better. And you know what? He started first. I'm going to tell you what. I love y'all and everything, but I wouldn't have left heaven for you. Can you imagine? He came, we sing, from heaven to earth to show the way. He did that for us. He did much more than that. The one, the Bible says he came into his own and his own did not receive him. He, he, he created us and yet we said, you know what? Here's what we think about you. You deserve to die the most cruel death that we could come up with. And he gave his life for us. His whole purpose. The Bible says in Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, Jesus Christ, you think about a military mission, don't we, don't we highly respect those military personnel who go in and risk their lives in great danger? And they go in and say, you know what, 
We're going to give, we're going to risk our lives so that we can hopefully rescue someone else. Don't we highly, as we should, respect that person? That's what Jesus, that's what God did for you and for me. He gave his life for us. And he's called us as his followers. In fact, write down Matthew 20, verses uh, 25 uh, through 28. (laughs) Can you imagine? Jesus was with some of his disciples. And one of their moms came up, of two of the guys, and said, Hey, I want to take care of my boys. Can they be, like, special in your kingdom? Can they have, like, like, really good spots in your kingdom? And this is what Jesus said. He called them to himself, and he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, and that just means the nations of the world, you know that the rulers of the nations lord it over them, over those people, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. As these early believers began gathering together and showing us, listen, friends, They started this deal. Right after Jesus left, they started this deal. They were showing us how God intended for it to be. Isn't it sad? It must be sad from God's perspective that we, many times, we've gotten so far away from that. God is calling us back. The vision for for this church, what's it to be about? You're new here tonight. You're a guest. You say, what's this church about? It is our heart to be servants It is our goal that we will leave this community better than we found it. What an awesome privilege. I look at this baptism. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for the privilege through the years of being a part of somebody coming to know you, Lord. Amen. Somebody right now has Jesus in their heart, has been forgiven for the things they've done wrong in their life. He's walking with them through life, and he's going to take them to heaven one day, forever and ever, because there's a church called New Hope. How did we get that privilege? It is our goal that there will be people who will know God because we were here. It is our goal that people will grow, just like we said, that people will be different. That they'll be changed. It is our goal that you work with somebody here and you say, that guy's really a knucklehead. But you know what? Since he started coming with you guys, he's halfway decent. That's progress, right? And hopefully over the years, if you watch his life, he's going to become a better husband, a better worker. He's going to watch his mouth. Not be perfect, but he's going to grow. And hopefully you're going to see that guy not be quite so selfish and start thinking more about other people. That's our goal. That's our vision is to be a place. There's no greater thing in life. You say, Pastor Robbie, I can't be a pastor. Well, that's the beauty of it. Not everybody, in fact, not most people are supposed to be. God calls some people to be pastors. What do we say? Ephesians 4, God calls some people to equip so that we can work together. But really, God's calling all of us to go in and serve. So really, all we're doing is having a huddle here tonight. All right, put your hands in. We're calling a play. Now get out of here and go do it. That's really how we, you know, many people have a picture of churches. I come and I receive and I worship and this was the end. 
This is not the end. This is the beginning. God helps me to see things. God gets me on his page. And then I leave here to go make a difference. If you look at our worship guide, now our pastors are ministers, but they're not the ministers. They're a minister. If you look at our worship guide, it says, church family, everyone is a minister. Every single one of us. You might be a minister working for the highway department. You might be a minister working in a a daycare. You might be a minister working in your home, a homemaker. You might be a minister selling uh, cars. But every single one of us is a minister sent out into this world to make a difference in the lives of others. Look at the result of what happened there in these verses. It says in verse 46, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. I'd like to be a part of that church. How about you? Sounds pretty fun, doesn't it? Sounds pretty good. Sounds like a blessing. They were excited, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their day, to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I really believe that many people are open to God. I really believe that many people are looking for God, but they don't know who to talk to. And they go to church and they say, well, I don't think y'all are doing God's stuff. That sounds like a lot like man. If we could just be God's people, I believe that many people are going to say, I want that. I'd like to be a part of that. I want to give my life to him. You know, I can't say daily yet. I can almost say weekly. Weekly, people are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Isn't that awesome? I I look forward to the day daily. But you know what? Even if it was 10 people a day, it would take 15 years to reach our little area here. So we shouldn't say, hey, we shouldn't be kind of sitting back and saying, look at all the blessing God's given us and just sort of resting on that. We should say, look at all the blessing God's given us How are we going to utilize that in a way that more people can know him? Amen? Friend, I want to ask you tonight, why did God bring you to this place? What drew you? You might be someone from the community that has never been to New Hope before. You heard about this grand opening. We are so glad you came. We're so glad you came. Many people, their first time ever at New Hope was one of these services, our our birthday celebration or something like that. So we're glad that you came tonight. But there was something that drew you, wasn't there? God has been speaking to your heart. Would you ask him tonight, God? Just like those people back in that passage of Scripture, why did you bring me here tonight? Is it because I need that relationship with you? If it is... The Bible says whoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You can be forgiven. I'm so glad you guys don't know my history. But Jesus does. And he said, I gave my life for you. And I'll forgive you if you'll trust me. He says that that same offer goes out to you tonight. Some of us are Christians in this room. And God's calling us to be a part of the vision that God has given us for this church. He's calling you to contribute in some way. To, ma- to help us 
You know, I tell people our discovery class, I say, have you felt welcomed at New Hope? I say, if you say yes, I'm going to say, great, help us continue to welcome people. If you say no, I'm going to say, uh-oh, we've dropped the ball, help us to change it. Okay? If this church has been a blessing to you, here's what I'm going to say. Help us keep it going. If for some reason we've dropped the ball, help us to correct it and be all that God wants us to be. Would you bow with me as we think about those things? If you're a guest here tonight, let me just share with you at the end of our service. We're not going to put anybody on the spot or make you do anything. We just ask you to just to, to take some time to think about what God might be saying to you. Is it possible here tonight, friend, that God brought you here because he wanted you to know that maybe others have given you a wrong impression of him? He does care for you. You knew that, didn't you? You sensed that in your heart. He did create you. He's got a purpose for you. And probably like you've experienced, there's nothing you can do to get to him on your own. That's what religion will tell you, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's only by grace God giving us something we don't deserve, trusting in what he's done for us. Would you tonight be willing to say, Jesus, I want to trust in you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me for the things that I've done wrong and be my personal savior. You might even would say to him, Lord, I don't know exactly all that it's going to mean following you, but I, I give my life to you and I will follow you. there's something else you need to talk with God about, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just take a moment. Heavenly Father, we just sang a few moments ago that you would be glorified. We thank you for the visible picture that we see here of this amazing facility. Father, we didn't build it as a museum. We built it as a tool to be used to touch more lives that you want to touch. I pray that tonight you would touch someone's heart. What if someone needs to give their life to you, that you give them the courage to take that step or some other decision, Lord, that right now they would say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.